that? Anybody just not satisfied with that ordinary life? How many of you know and love somebody that does not know and love Jesus? Anybody? How many of you want to see our church continue to grow? The seat next to you, well, there's not a lot this night, but the seat next to you be filled with somebody's last name that you have personally led to Jesus. How many of you want to see a baptism tank that never runs dry? Anybody want to make a difference in Southeast Texas? Anybody want to make a difference at their work environments, a difference in their family, raising their kids, loving their wives and husbands? How many of you want to make a difference in this world? Anybody want to make a difference in this world? All right, this side right here really wants to make a difference. That side, I'm going to pray for you, all right? This side, y'all want to make a difference? All right, how about you guys over here? Do y'all want to make a difference? Do you believe that God has saved you for a purpose bigger than yourself? All right, in order for us to learn what that is, we have to discover our gifts because the spiritual gifts are God's way to enable us to make a difference in the world. And so what we're going to do is we're going to learn how to use our gifts based out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You have your Bible. I'm going to open up. We're going to read, and then we're going to discuss. I want to ask four questions tonight, and I'm going to close by giving you some ways to begin the journey of discovering your gift. Here's what it says in 12. Now concerning, what's the next word? People are like, that's not biblical. It's in the Bible, guys. Come on. So now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, don't forget the ladies, I do not want you to be uninformed. That's the reason that I'm doing this. Because when it comes to the subject of spiritual gifts, even Paul 2,000 years ago knew that some of you were uninformed. How many of you have heard teachings over the spiritual gifts? Show of hands. Show of hands. How many of you come from a charismatic church? So raise both hands. You've heard it. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. So I get to you. Scooby-Doo, right? All right. What about, what about those who have never heard teachings over the spiritual gifts? Is this new for anybody? Anybody not? Okay. Yeah, we got some hands. Okay, good. Here's what I've discovered when it comes to the subject of spiritual gifts is that there's people on, on different sides of the camp. There's some people who, like me, not only were you raised charismatic, you were raised charismaniacs. Any charismaniacs in the room? All right, and then, and then some of you were raised over here where you were told like that was of the devil and we don't talk about it. So these two camps would be known as like continuationists or cessationists. And then there's another camp in the middle, which is just confused. Anybody else in that camp? You're like, I don't know what this means. Uh, any of those big words, it's all Greek to me. Anybody in that camp right there? And so when it comes to the subject, there's a lot of debate. There's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of bloggers who like to argue. That's not our goal here tonight. Our goal is not to debate the gifts. Our goal is to discover the gifts. That's our goal. Now, I know when it comes to this, and even in our church, just recently as we've been studying through Acts and studying the Holy Spirit, there's been some confusion around the implication of the spiritual gifts. And it's brought a lot of questions. I've got a lot of emails. I've sat down, had a lot of coffee with people to be able to work this out. The goal here is not to confuse anybody around the gifts. That's why we're going to teach this over the next five weeks or so. We don't want to confuse anybody. We want to bring clarity to everybody. That's our goal. We don't want to debate. We want to discover. And we don't want to confuse. We want to bring clarity when it comes to the gifts. Because Paul says, this is a very confusing subject. That's why he starts off by saying, now, brothers and sisters, when it comes to the spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be what? Okay, so that means that it's possible to be misinformed. And so we want to make sure that we're bringing it back to the Bible. So people are like, well, we don't need the gifts because we have the Bible. Well, it's the Bible that tells me about the gifts. And so I'm going to walk through the Bible, and we're going to learn about the spiritual gifts. Here we go. Brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, non-Christians, you were led astray to false idols, 
however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking of the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord. That's the shortest declaration of the gospel in all of the Bible. Jesus is Lord. How do we say Jesus is Lord from our hearts? Here's what it says. By the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Let me start off before we get into this list of questions and, and address this. Some people have wrongly been taught that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Some people have wrongly been taught that, um, that, that in order to see God move in your life, you have to have this formula right here. But I want to tell you this based on what he says the indwelling of the Holy Spirit happens the moment a person becomes a Christian. The moment you become, the, the, the indwelling of the Spirit of God, every single one of you, whether you speak in tongues or not, you have been filled, you have been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit lives inside each and every one. Because if you can say Jesus is Lord, you got the Holy Spirit. So every single person who says Jesus is Lord has, been, has, has received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so when we study these spiritual gifts, what you need to understand is that every single one of you has the Holy Spirit. Therefore, every single one of you has a spiritual gift. Because here's what we discover in this, is that the moment you are born again, just like I gave a gift to my daughter Esther on the day that she was born, God the Father on the day you were born again departs the spiritual gift inside each and every one of you. You may not know what that is, but that's why you're here, and we're going to help you discover what that gift is. But there is not a Christian who does not have the Holy Spirit, and there is not a Christian who does not have a spiritual gift. Every single one of you has received a spiritual gift. And one of the saddest things that I, I do is I meet people sometimes who they're like, I don't have a gift. Because in the world, they feel so beat up or so discouraged, or maybe it's something they've done or something they've been through. But just remember the person who's writing this, Paul. He murdered Christians, and now he's teaching them about receiving spiritual gifts. There's nothing you have done that God cannot forgive, and there is nothing that you have gone through that God will not give you the Holy Spirit to help you get through it. And so every single Christian, whether you're, you're new to faith or you're mature in faith, you have received a gift from the Spirit, and here's the reason why. Because God is so generous. Listen, God is the one who gives the gifts. There is no one who is more generous than our God. And he's a father who loves to give good gifts to his kids. I mean, let's just think about just the nature of God. God is a giver. He created the heavens and the earth. Giver. It talks here about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is filled with generosity because the Son gives glory to God and the Spirit glorifies the Son and the Father glorifies the Son and the Spirit. They're glorifying, they're giving to one another. And then Adam and Eve were created and God gave them breath in their lungs. Every breath you take is a gift from God. He gave us creation to have dominion over. That's a gift from God. And even when we sinned, he did not leave us in our sin, but God sent Jesus to save us, to redeem us, to live the life we never could, to die the death, the death that we deserve. And Jesus says it like this, no man takes my life from me, I give it freely. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave, God gives Jesus. And then after the resurrection, Jesus says, 
Pray that you might receive power because I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. God gives us Jesus. And then Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. And what does the Spirit do? He gives us spiritual gifts because God is the giver of the gifts. In a little bit, we'll see that he appoints the gifts individually as he wills. God is the giver of gifts and he loves to give gifts. Think about it like what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, he just called all of y'all bad parents. <laughs> then how much more does your father in heaven know how to give gifts to those who ask for the Holy Spirit? Because God is the giver of the gifts and he loves to give gifts. And so what I want to do is I want to help you by asking a couple of questions and then we're going to get in the altars and we're going to pray for our church and we're going to pray for different needs. But I want to ask some questions to be able to help us understand a little bit more as we introduce this topic of spiritual gifts. So I find it helpful to learn by asking questions. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you four questions. The first question is this, who gets the gifts? Look what it says in the next verse, verse six it says, there's a variety of activities. There's a lot of different things, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Who gets the gifts? Doesn't seem confusing to me, does it? Some people are like, what does that everyone mean in the Greek? Does it mean most, some, almost? No, it means how many? That's everyone, right? And so every single person in this room, if you can say Jesus is Lord, then you have received a spiritual gift because it is the spirit of God who empowers them and who? Everyone. You know why? Because the father does not play favorites. See, here, here's what people think often, that because I'm the pastor, I get all the gifts. Like I'm a greedy kid on Christmas. I get all the gifts, right? That's what people think. We live in a platform American evangelical culture where the people we follow on Instagram have gifts, but we don't have gifts because we're just sitting at our house. Or, or the famous preachers we listen to on podcasts, oh, they're the ones with all the gifts. And then, you know, I'm just, just an everyday, ordinary Christian. You know, that's what a lot of times people think. They discredit or discount what God actually can do, not just wants to do, but will do in their life if they would yield to it. Yeah. See, the truth is the Father does not play favorites. You are not more loved by God than I am. You, you are not more valuable to God than I am because right now what I'm doing is I'm using my gift. But when you're in the lobby or when you're in the parking lot or when you're at the plants and the refineries, when you're praying over your kids, whatever it is doing and all these other, you're using your gift to do those things. And so let's not make one gift better than the other gift or elevate one above the rest. No, let's recognize that everyone in this room is just as loved by the Father and has been receiving gifts from God because the Father does not play favorites when it comes to his gifts for his kids. So who gets the gifts? Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a gift. That's right. That's right. That's right. So the next question that we're going to ask is this. What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? Look what it says here. It says, verse 7, to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I'm going to have a whole message lined up in a week or so around this subject, but there's people who they deny that the gifts are available today. And some would even go as far to say that they are demonic manifestations. But that's not what the text says here. Each one has been given a manifestation of the what? Of the Holy Spirit. 
It's not a demonic manifestation. It's a spirit manifestation. And to claim that something that is from God is of the devil, well, I'm just going to lean over the plate and say that's very dangerous to what the Pharisees said about Jesus. And then he turned around and said, be very careful you don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit, which is the unpardonable sin. Okay? We're not going to credit to the devil something that God does. And there are people who say that it's wrong, but the Bible here says it's good. That he gives the gifts. Why? what's What's the purpose behind the gifts? It says literally right here, each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the? It means the gifts are good. They're from God. Why would God give you something bad? Why would God give you something that's wicked or evil? Why would God give you something to fail you? Why would God give you a gift and then not expect you to use that? Right, and somebody say, well, the Bible is all uh, sufficient for us and we don't need that. Okay, I'm going to get into that later. But I would just counter by telling you, it's the Bible that teaches me that the gifts are good. And so we need to seek to use the gifts. And then some people say, okay, yeah, well, what about other religions? Don't they have, don't they have gifts? No, they have counterfeits. Yeah. If you're taking notes, write this down. Whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. You know that God creates Satan counterfeits. Satan cannot create anything. He can only mimic and mock. That's all he can do. He cannot create. He can only counterfeit. And I would tell you that the existence of a counterfeit only proves the authentic is true. And the fact that there are false religions that have miracles only proved to me that miracles still happen today. Because the devil wouldn't be doing everything he can to be able to counterfeit an authentic move of God. So, for example, right now, the fastest growing religion in America is witchcraft, Wiccan. One billion dollars last year was spent on crystals. People praying to demons using crystals because it gives them peace and healing. If I remember, that sounds like a spiritual gift to me. The gifts of healing are being counterfeited by the demonic. And because people haven't been taught on the gifts, they're looking for a power and something that is actually going to deceive. We have the true power. We have the power of Jesus that heals. You look at, uh, there's other versions of this. So right now, it's very popular on social media for people to go around and say, I'm an empath. I'm an empath. I'm so empathetic. You know, empathy is a twisted version of the gift of mercy. Because what happens is, is you take upon yourself someone else's sin rather than taking that sin to the cross. The devil wants to twist that because then when you become this, you're no, longer, you're no longer operating in the true gift. I mean, we could go on and on. False tongues. Other religions have false tongues. Other religions have false healings. In the Bible, we're going to meet him in a couple weeks, a man named Simon the sorcerer. He performed miracles, but he was no match for the apostles. Moses, the Pharaoh, they, they could perform miracles But Moses' miracles destroyed their miracles. What I'm saying is that there's people in our society who are desperate and hunger for a move of the supernatural in their life. And they're turning to crystals and tarot cards and they're watching films on Netflix and and they're and they're bending themselves in pretzels in the yoga position and they're seeking for something. And guys, we have the answer. And that's why God has given us these gifts so that way we can proclaim the gospel and show them what true healing is, show them what true deliverance looks like. Show them what true mercy actually looks like. And so that's the reason why we we have these gifts. 
And I believe that's why it's increasingly important for us to, to continue to grow in these gifts because whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. Listen, the gifts are for what reason? The common good. And so it would be good for us to learn about these gifts. Which leads us to the third question, what is a spiritual gift? So we're going to read this section, and we're going to see nine spiritual gifts here, but I'm not going to talk about them tonight. You say, oh, man, I was hoping to learn my gift a little bit. Nope, we're going to have a whole message dedicated to walking through each gift. If you want to go ahead and start a Bible study on it, in our Connect page, I posted a 25-page Bible study walking through each of these spiritual gifts with an overview and verses for you. It was illustrated and designed by our creative coordinator, Anna Marino. Uh, it's available on the Connect page. You can get it on our website as well. If you want to go and read and learn what your gift is, you can do that. Uh, but here's what I want to say for right now. Verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. That's an important word. I'll come back to it. The common good. For to one is given the Spirit of the utterance of wisdom, the utterance of knowledge, but according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the Spirit, to another gifts of healing, by the one Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, and all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who appoints to each one individually as he wills. So look back up here at, at, at the, I, I want to say something for a mo moment. Each one of these, you read them, and you're like, okay, that sounds crazy, right? I mean, first you see like gifts of helps and gifts of serving, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's good. Like, I, I'm, I'm cool with that. And then you're like, prophecy and words of wisdom, words of knowledge, tongues and interpretation. Like, that seems just a little crazy, just a little far-fetched for me, Byron. Like, I just don't know. I just don't know. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, let me bring you back to the Bible. It's in here. He'll say, well, it just sounds weird. Can I just tell you, Christianity is weird. Christianity is weird. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me tell you this. Uh, how long did it take God to create the world? Seven, yeah, six days rested on the seventh. You're smarter than me. Um, <laughs> You want to preach? <laughs> That's weird, right? That's weird. All right, how about this? Um, how long, how was Jesus born? <laughs> Virgin birth. Yeah, that's never happened before. That's why it's a miracle. <laughs> how long was Jesus in the grave for? Did he stay there? That's never happened. I know it's a miracle, right? And then Jesus, when he returns, he's going to come back riding on a what? Y'all are so weird. You really believe that? Yes. Listen, Christianity's weird. It's just weird. And here's what I want to say. Stop trying to make Christianity normal because it's supernatural. It's always been supernatural. It's only in our Western mindsets have we made a naturalistic leap of trying to explain God based upon science and reason rather than based on the Bible itself. You know, the, the, the Bible is supernatural. The cross is supernatural. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, which makes you supernatural too. Like, we, we should stop trying to make Christianity cool. Like, it's just, just cool Christianity is just, it's just not going to happen anymore. Especially as the world becomes increasingly more hostile to the things and the ways that we believe. Like, like we just not be like, hey, guys, I'm just like you. If you want to be like the world, you're not going to be like Jesus. Like, we should stop trying to, like, normalize Christianity, and we should just embrace the weirdness. Because there's just parts of our faith that's just, just weird. It's just weird. And, and the spiritual gifts are one of those things. 
But I would say the reason why people resist the spiritual gifts, probably for two reasons. One, because they want control instead of letting God be in control. Or two, they have pride because they think more about having people like them than actually reaching people. And so we just need to get over this cool Christianity because guess what, guys? We're weird. And the gifts out of any other subject are, are, are a little strange. So let me explain just a little bit about what a spiritual gift actually is. It uses the word manifestation. Manifestation means the, the, the revealing of the spirit. But the word spiritual gift is actually not found in the Greek. There's actually five words used through 1 Corinthians 12 that has been translated into the word spiritual gift. Let me share with these, these words. The, the first word is charismata. That's where you get the term charismatic. Charismata actually means a, a gift of grace. You know why? Because you can't earn your gift. It's a, it's a gift that God gives you as an act of grace upon your life. The word charismata is what's used. He says, he says, these are graces of God. It is by grace we have been saved, and it is by grace we are being sent out as missionaries in the world. The second one is the diakonai. This is acts of service. It literally means uh, the one who waits tables. So your spiritual gift is designed to serve others, not to serve yourself. That's why I get so weird out when people are walking around like, I'm a prophet, and I got the gift of this. And, uh, why, why? No, it's not about you. It's about serving somebody. It's about using your gift for the common good, not to benefit you, but to benefit others. It's, a, it's an act of grace and service. Uh, and dunamis, it's a display of power. Jesus says, you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so when you are operating in your spiritual gifts, you are operating in the power of God. Have you ever just been maybe uh, sitting with somebody and they're sharing their heart with you and then all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, man, I just, I feel like this is the answer to what you're struggling with. And he's like, I'm not smart enough to come up with that. Yeah, that's the gift of knowledge, right? That's the gift of wisdom operating in you, right? I, I mean, it's this anointing on your moment to where you can be able to bless and serve somebody else. It's the power of God. Another one is the energoma. It's a spiritual operation. So it's the Holy Spirit working through you to be able to help somebody, lead somebody else. God's grace flows through us, but it flows through us too. God's power flows to us, but it also flows through us. He wants to operate in our lives. And then here's the word right here, pneumaticos. Turn to your neighbor and say pneumaticos. <laughs> say, God bless you. <laughs> pneumaticos, here's what it literally means. It translates into the English, the word pneumaticos. It means stuff the Spirit does. That's what it translates it to. In the Greek, it's spirituals, but the, the term is actually stuff the Spirit does. And so if you ever come to a first Wednesday night, you see the pneumaticos. It's the stuff the Spirit does. When you're in your small group and you're praying and all of a sudden there's breakthrough in that marriage, that's the pneumaticos. That's the stuff the Spirit does. When we have that woman who we laid hands and she prayed over her finger and her finger was healed, amen? amen. That's the pneumaticos. That's the stuff the Spirit does. And here's what I want you to know. When God shows up, God shows off. It's the stuff the Spirit does. Like we serve a living God who moves in power. And when my God shows up, my God loves to show off. Miracles happen. Chains are broken in people's lives. People are delivered from addictions. When my God shows up, people's souls get saved. The word of God is illuminated like never before. When my God shows up, my God don't just show up and sneak out. No, my God shows up and shows off. That's the God that I serve. And how does he do that? Through you. Through you. God loves to work. 
He's just looking for people who are going to work with him, to let him flow through them. That's the spiritual gifts. That's the spiritual gifts, because when God shows up, which leads us to the fourth question. Uh, we're going to ask this. Uh, how, does, how do I discover my gift? Let me, let me say this real quick. A spiritual gift is not a natural talent. Like, I hear that all the time. Like, I mean, okay, for example, wasn't worship tonight incredible? Can we give it up for our worship team? Do you know there's not a spiritual gift of worship? There's not a spiritual gift of, of singing. I've asked for it, didn't get it. But the reason why it was so powerful for us it's because they have the talent of worship, but they're operating at a spiritual gift of leadership, of, of prophecy, of, of, of they're operating at a spiritual gift, and the anointing of God flows through their talent through a gift. Okay, so, so like an example is um, there, there's, you know, LeBron James, right? You say he's the goat, right? Is, is that true? Is it, is it Jordan? <laughs> is it Kobe, right? Uh, <laughs> All right, so do you know there's not a spiritual, people always say, oh man, he's so gifted. No, he's not. There's no such thing as the gift of basketball. <laughs> That's called genetics and hard work, right? You can pray all day long, but God ain't gonna help you dunk. I'm five foot and white. It ain't happening. <laughs> five foot eight, right? It ain't happening. I did not get that talent, right? So people confuse, like there's talents but they're not spiritual gifts. The, the second thing also is understand is that a spiritual gift is not a personality type. People go on and be like, um, you know, what's your personality type? You take the Myers-Briggs, you know, you're an ENFP, an INTJ, you're a J-E-R-K, like what's your Myers-Briggs? <laughs> and the people's identities get formed around their personalities. Listen, that's just not how Christianity works. You are not your gift. You are not your gift. Your identity is not in your giftedness. Your identity is in Christ. And so it's not a personality type. I see people walk around, they're like, I got this gift and this gift. And this. No, no, no. Don't let your gift become your idol. Yeah. And don't let your gift become your identity. Amen. Your gift is to serve others. It's a gift to you, right? The, the, the third thing is it's not a superpower. I remember whenever I was in, like, high school or, like, youth group, they were like, your gift is your superpower. And I was like, oh, what's my superpower? And God shows up and he's like, you get the gift of faith. Boom, fire from heaven. You get the gift of miracles, praying for the sick, and deliverance, and you get the gift of hospitality. Go bake some muffins, right? <laughs> it's, it's not a superpower either, but, but what it is is it, it, it's, 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 it's a gift. It's a spiritual gift that comes from the Lord that we are to learn and to grow and we're to move in. So the question is, how do we discover this gift? As we get ready to close, let me give you some practical application before we move into prayer. Here's what it says in verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who appoints each one as he wills. So I'm hoping that we're, 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 we're filling this anticipation. Okay, God, you have a gift for me. I want to discover what that gift is. How do I do that? Now, I know the temptation many of you are going to do is go home and you're going to Google spiritual gifts and take a test. Can I, can I tell you that's not bad, but I don't believe that's best. I think there's other ways for you to discover your gift. You know why I think that? Because the internet is only about 20 years old and the church is 2,000 years old and they've been discovering their gifts for 2,000 years before the internet ever showed up. And so there must be a better way for us to discover gifts. 
And I believe the best way for you to discover your gift is being in a local church. It's the best way. The best way is because as you're connecting to God and you're connecting with people, he will distribute the gifts as he wills. And here's the way that I always encourage people when they ask me, how do I discover my gift? What I tell them is, is that your gift is on the other side of your risk. You say, well, what do I mean by that? One of the reasons people don't discover their gifts is because they're afraid. You might feel it in a grocery store. You, you identify somebody, you're walking down the aisle and you're, there's just this connection you have. You're like, I feel like I need to like pray for that or they highlight, right? Or, or maybe like you'll be praying for somebody and all of a sudden you just start having thoughts run through your head and you're like, I, I think I need to like say something to them. That might be, or maybe small groups are getting ready and when your small group leader's like, anybody wanna bring some food? And you sign up for all of the food. You might have that. Or the people who serve one, sit one, and then they stay for all four services. You're a gift. That's the gift of helps, the gift of serving. I'm grateful for our staff because many on our staff, not me and not Trevor, but everybody else has the gift of administration. It's a beautiful thing. That's why I missed our lunch meeting this week and I, I forgot to call you back and I have 200 unread messages on my phone. But we need each other as a church to discover what those gifts are. So if you wanna discover your gift, take a risk. Step out in faith and begin serving. So here's five ways real quick. To First thing is this, is explore the possibilities. If you haven't been to Next Steps and join a team, can I encourage you to do so this week? The best way for you to do is to explore the possibilities. And you can get involved on a team and then you'll be out there in that parking lot and you're like, actually, I, I, I really enjoy this. I love helping people, smiling at people, serving people. Maybe you get back there in the kids team and, and you just recognize that there is a gift that's been dormant inside of you and then you're surrounding yourself with others using that gift and God will just begin to bring that out. Explore the possibilities. If you haven't gone to Next Steps, it's this Sunday at two o'clock. I would love to see you there. Jump on a team. The second is, is explore your effectiveness. Examine your effectiveness. Like just because you wanna do something doesn't mean you're gifted at it. I know your mom told you you're special and you could do anything you wanted, but that's not the way God's gifted you. And you gotta be okay with that. Explore your effectiveness. Like if you're like, I love teaching, and then your small group coach pulls you aside and says, hey, like, you're really bad at leading Bible study. You can't be like, I got the gift of teaching. They'd be like, ah, let's examine your effectiveness a little bit. But let's say you're leading that small group and your, your small group leader is actually like, hey, you're, I think you got something special here. Like the way you read the word and unpack it for us as a group, I think you might have the gift of teaching. And then they begin to call out the gift that's inside of you. That's what Paul tells Timothy. He says, fan into flame the gift that was laid inside of you by the laying on of hands. Yeah. And so you gotta do that in community by being involved in a local church. Uh, the, the third thing is, is this, is to evaluate your feelings. You say, well, what do you mean by feelings? Check your pride. If, if, that, if that gift, as we're gonna learn more, if that gift, all of a sudden, it starts making you walk with a little swagger, the devil's trying to twist that gift. That's pride. Examine your feelings. The other one is, is humility. You know, whenever I, I was called to be a pastor, 
I wrestled with it for a long time because I was like, God, I, I cannot do this. I am not called to do this. God often calls the people who feel the least qualified. And if there's that humility inside of you, that's like, this is too big for me. That's when God shows up and shows off in your life. And so you gotta check your feelings, check your heart on that. Uh, the fourth is um, uh, expect feedback from others. When I first started teaching, I remember, um, like I, ha I have a spiritual gift of, of, of teaching. And the first time I started teaching, it was bad. Like we went back and deleted like the first year of sermons from our archives because it was bad. Like the fact that anybody showed up was a, a miracle in itself. I remember when I first started preaching, uh, the, the church that I was, I was at in Houston uh, before we planted here is a little lady. Her name was Miss Rachel. She was, a, she was actually 100 years old. And, um, and it was one of my first sermons. She came up to me and she was like, that was an amazing sermon. And I go, thank you, it was all Jesus. And she goes, his would have been better. <laughs> She's old, she don't care. <laughs> she did not have the gift of encouragement, that's for sure. But she had the gift of teaching because she taught me something that day. She taught me to prepare better. Um, but she, she also taught me something very important in that, um, is that one, take compliments. If somebody compliments you, just say thank you, you know? Um, but the other thing is, is that just because you're not good at something doesn't mean you're not gifted at something at first. Everybody's bad at something when they start. And, and so you have to learn to grow in that gift, right? And so the, 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 you gotta get feedback from others. And then number five, experiment with gifts, experiment. Try something out. Join a team. Mix up your team. If you're normally on the parking team, try out for the production team. Mix up your teams a little bit. Experiment. If you feel an impression on you whenever you're walking through at the gym and there's somebody who's highlighted to you and you're like, man, I'm gonna go talk to that person. That might be the gift of evangelism inside of you. There was a woman in the parking lot as I was walking in, I just made eye contact with her and she was on the other side of the parking lot and I waved to her. She doesn't go to our church, she works next door. And she, she pulled up to me and she said, can I help you? I said, actually, can I help you? She looked at me and she's like, oh, you go to that church. I was like, yeah, I mean, if you wanna come. <laughs> then she goes, how is, how, how is the church? And I said, I think it's pretty good. She goes, how long have you been going? I said, well, I'm the pastor. <laughs> and then she broke down crying. And she said, would you pray for me? I'm, I'm, I'm going through a divorce right now. And she just broke down and she started crying. How busy do we get so many times that we just look past the opportunities God brings right in front of us. But if we're in tune with the spirit, we see those moments and something just draws us to it. You know why? That, that's, that's the gift of evangelism right there, right? Just welling up, boom, moment. That's the stuff the spirit does. I cannot orchestrate that. That's the stuff the spirit does. And so you gotta examine these gifts and explore these gifts. And in doing so, you discover the gifts. Here's the last verse. For now, verse four, there are varieties of gifts. We're gonna learn a lot of different gifts, but it's all the same spirit. He says, there are varieties of services, lots of different people, but we all have the same spirit and the same Lord. There's a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them and who? Everyone. So here's the last thing that I wanna say as we get ready to do this. You have a gift. 
every single one in this room has a spiritual gift. I wanna help you discover what that is because it's for the common good. And here's the last line. The church is not built on the talents of the few, but on the gifts of the many. God gives gifts to everyone so that way we can grow together as a church. I mean, God loves to give good gifts. For example, like when I gave my daughter Esther that boop boop, that's not the only gift she has. Every time I keep pouring out more gifts upon her over and over again, I love to give her gifts. And you're a child of God and God loves to give you gifts. I mean, God's up in heaven and he's like, you get a gift and you get a gift and you get a gift. He's like, Oprah, gift for you and gift for you and gift for you. Everybody gets a gift. Hey, do me a favor, look under your chair right now. There's a gift for you too. Just kidding, we're in multiply. Our budget is tight right now. So the church is not built on the talents of the few, but on the gifts of the many. Do you believe that? Which means we need all of us using our gifts together if we wanna make a difference here in Southeast Texas.